And welcome to Red Rocks Church. So good to see you guys. I hope you brought faith. I hope you showed up expectant. One of the things I've learned about God over the years is I, I, I believe he loves faith and he loves an expectant posture. And oftentimes he will do as much or as little in your life as you expect him to. And so whether you've seen him work a lot in your life recently or not, I just have to ask the question, do you believe God wants to work in your life and do you expect him to? Because God cares about every part of your life, not just heaven forever one day and your eternal destination one day after you die, but the here and now, your life today, your mundane Monday morning has eternal significance to it. He cares about your Wednesday evening. He cares about your job. He cares about the job that you want. He cares about your interview this week. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your family. Your made no mistakes when he made you amen you are created on purpose for a purpose and God is deeply passionate about your purpose but here's the thing and here's where we're going today you will face battles in this life as a Christian unless you're if you're not if you haven't yet you're you're seven or younger but for the rest of us Jesus said hey in this world you will have trouble Take heart, I have overcome the world. And then I, I think it was even Paul, was it Paul or Peter who said, and don't be surprised when you face fiery trials of many kinds as if something weird is happening to you, right? Like you find yourself in the middle of a war, whether you realize it or not, you have an enemy, whether you think about it or not. And Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, verse 10, very famous verse where he says, I have come so that you might have life and have it to the full. But the other half of that verse, the far less popular half, says that you also have an enemy who is here to do three things, to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. And while we never want to give the devil too much credit or live lives where we're like, a demon is hiding behind every tree and I'm late to church today because he made me stub my toe. Like, no, you just stubbed your toe, right? That wasn't spiritual warfare. We don't want to err on that side, but we also, it's also important to acknowledge that your enemy is real because, and not elevate him, but acknowledge him because when you acknowledge him, then you can do something about him and about the fact that spiritual warfare is real. And if you feel resistance, by the way, all that means is hell is not the biggest fan of you. And it usually begins to happen like when you step out in faith or you sacrifice or give like in an end of year offering or you take a, a leap and you trust God in a new way and all of a sudden you feel resistance and Jesus reminds us, don't act like that's weird or something is wrong. The fact that there is that there is opposition. It's usually in those moments where we can be tempted to back down. And if I can just give you like a Denzel Washington halftime pump up talk today, I want to encourage you and fire you up not to back down, to smile at resistance because it means you're on the devil's most wanted list and you're probably doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing and you're closer to breakthrough than you think. And so keep praying until something changes. Keep leaning into God until something happens and with all your strength and with all your might, continue to stand strong. How? Via something called the armor of God. Maybe you've heard it. If you've been in church your whole life, you've heard that at some point, the armor of God. I want to read that passage to you out of Ephesians chapter 6. This is out of the Passion Translation. Paul says this, Now, my beloved ones, 
I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength. I love this sentence. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. And I know this sounds like an epic like movie, but this is actually reality. And because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. So put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. And in every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield. For it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. I wish James Earl Jones was here to read that to you with the piano in the background, but I'll have to do. Anyways, if you're taking notes, we'll call this message Battle Ready. So write that down. Battle Ready and pray with me. Jesus, we love you so much. I thank you that you are the center of this church and you always will be. I thank you that we don't have to twist your arm or somehow convince you to show up, but it is your delight to be here. It is your delight to give your presence to those who ask for it. And so boldly, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your Holy Spirit. We ask for your presence. I I pray that something supernatural would take place in every heart in this room right now. We love you, and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. All right, anybody in here brave enough to admit that you're kind of a space cadet? Like you, you're forgetful, you forget things quickly, easily. I think I'm that, I'm not sure, I can't remember, but I think I forget things. Ask my wife, she'll tell you, I am in fact a space cadet. Some examples for you. Okay, so when my wife and I were dating, uh, like I forgot our three year anniversary for the day we started dating. So I show up to her house in a white t-shirt and Batman sweatpants. Knock on the front door thinking, oh, we'll just hang out and watch a movie. She answers the door all done up wearing a dress. And I am standing there with shame on my face wearing Batman sweatpants. Like, what do you say in that moment? Like, oh, I, I wore this. I chose to wear it. Like, she's thinking, oh, like, uh, like, of course I have a reasonable boyfriend who's going to take me out for our three-year anniversary. <clears throat> nope. And so I just dig a hole in her front yard and buried myself in it because there's no coming back from something like that. I'm a, I'm a space cadet, and I blame it on that. It's not my fault. It's how God made me. There was, uh, this was a few years ago. I got up to, to go to work. And uh, it's like a normal morning, nothing weird about this morning. I did my normal morning routine, 
ate a bowl of Lucky Charms, ran a 10K. I didn't really do that, but I did take a multivitamin, kind of the same thing. And I get in my car and I pull out of my spot and I'm driving and I, I, I get halfway to work when I realize I forgot to put on a shirt for work. I'm like driving like something is different, like oh, it's a shirt, I forgot a shirt. And for me, I'm like, ah, oh, you win some, you lose some, and I kept going, but I'm a space cadet. And sometimes it's cute and funny when you forget stuff, but a lot of times, it's just better to be ready. It's better to be ready. So another example, so like, this happens about once a month at the Weckenman household. My wife will be awoken suddenly in the middle of the night because she hears a sound that could be like anywhere, anything within like a half mile radius of our house. And she automatically is positive that it's a bad guy in the house who wants to kill all of us, right? So she wakes me up and like in that moment, there's not like a conversation that happens like, okay, which one of us is gonna go downstairs to check and see if there's a, a burglar in the house, right? Like if that's even a conversation, I'm a horrible husband. Right? If there's a burglar in our house, first of all, if there is a robber in our house, I'm like, he picked the wrong house, man. Like, I walk down and he's just, where's the, where's the safe? Oh, we don't have that, man. I'm sorry. Like, better luck next house. Can I make you a PB&J so you have something to show for this, right? <laughs> but I'm thinking in those moments, I like walk down and there's a tinge of fear in me. Because while I would love a good and godly excuse to punch somebody in the face, like sometimes I'm just in that mood as a pastor, but you need a reason, you know what I mean? I'm also thinking, I really don't want to get stabbed right now, right? And so here's what I do every, every time, right here. And this was the first decoration my wife and I ever had hanging on our wall in our very first apartment. This is a genuine, authentic replica of the Sword of Gryffindor from Harry Potter. If it bothers you that I have this, you can email Ethan at redrockschurch.com. <laughs> but I show you this because you just need to know that this is your pastor and his wife, like, so you can know if this is really the church for you. But every time I, I grab, it's the first thing I grab, and I walk down the stairs like, well, I'd rather have something than nothing, right? And our security team's probably laughing at me right now like, that's not going to do a lot against a gun, bro. And like, I know that, I'm aware of that, but I'd rather have this than just my fists, right? I'd rather be a little bit prepared, okay? And so like, I walk down and I take this sword and I check all the closets and check all the rooms. And long story short, it, it's better to be ready. And I wanted to physically bring this limited edition sword to church today and hold it up and wave it in front of you so that this image would be forever burned in your brain and in your memory that it's better to be ready. And when you walk out of your front door every single morning, you can either walk out ready and aware of the things of God, ready for battles, ready for opportunities, or you can choose to walk out apathetic and passive and unaware of the things that God wants to do in and through your life. And I want to submit to you that it's better to be ready and it's better to be, it's better to be expectant and it's better to remind yourself every single day that there is eternal significance to every part of your life, that God cares about your mundane Monday morning, that there are battles coming your way every day, there are opportunities coming your way, there are people to love, there are people to 
encourage. There is a great commission to be done, and it's better to be ready. And over the next 20 minutes, I just want to give you a very tangible way via the armor of God to walk out your front door ready for opportunities and battles. And so I have six points because there are six parts to the armor of God. In seminary, they teach you to write a three-point sermon. I didn't go to seminary, so I have a six-point sermon. So here we go. <laughs> Number one, the belt of truth. The belt of truth. The first thing I do in the morning is put on the belt of truth. Because this is me deciding that today I am choosing to live by what is true regardless of how I feel. Because I never know how I'm going to feel when I wake up in the morning. Like, nobody, you don't, you don't understand your emotions and how they work. Like, you can go to bed happy, wake up the next morning sad, and you don't know why. And by 10 a.m., you're mad because you're so sad and you can't figure out why until lunchtime rolls around and you're, you're happy again, right? Like, this is how our emotions work. None of us understand. But, and, and for a lot of us, we live and die based on how we feel. Based on our emotions, our emotions are steering our spiritual vehicle, right? Like I woke up this morning on the wrong side of the bed, exhausted, apathetic, kind of in a grumpy mood. But because of Jesus, because of the weapons of grace, because of the armor of God, I actually don't have to stay that way. In fact, I would even say I am called not to stay that way. Because first thing in the morning, like, I, I'm greeted by, by shame and guilt and condemnation for, like, no reason. Those things have a way of meeting you within the first few minutes of being awake before you've even had your bowl of Wheaties in the morning, right? And it's in those moments it's so important and critical to remind your inconsistent self of God's consistency, when I wake up and I feel like, man, I'm too flawed or I've sinned too much, I've gone too far and somehow God can't use me anymore and I've, I've ruined the plans that he has for my life, that's when I need to remind myself that I am not that powerful. And I need to get over myself and receive and accept his grace because I'm not that good even at sinning. I'm not better at messing up than he is at saving me from that. And I'm prone to forget that. All of us are. Which is why you are the most important preacher in your own life. Because nobody talks to you more than you talk to you. And that friend's not always going to send that encouraging text message when you need it. You're not always going to have that uplifting sermon the moment you need it. And it's important what you say to you. And so you need to know how to preach yourself into truth and talk yourself into what's real, regardless of how you just happen to feel in that moment. We incline our hearts and our postures to God. That is active, not passive. So about a year ago, um, we, were, we were planning on, on launching this church January 6th. And about a year ago, I think it was November of 2018, we had another venue and another building all lined up and ready to go. And it was six weeks before the launch, and we got an email. I'll never forget when I got this email. That building backed out on us. So all of a sudden, we had a launch date in six weeks, and we were venueless. And I, I'll never forget, I was with Ethan, and we drove to Dairy Queen and got extra large blizzards and cried in my car. For like 30 minutes, like, God, what are we going to do? Like, 
We have a launch date set, like it's happening. The wave is coming, whether like ready or not. And so we, we gave ourselves, okay, I'm going to have a Dairy Queen blizzard. I'm going to feel these emotions. But then there was a point where we made a decision in that car. Okay, we, we've, we've felt the emotions, and now it's time to remind ourselves of what's true and what's real. Because what's true is God has a plan for this church, and God didn't bring us this far just to leave us here, and he's going to come through. And so we got on Google and sent like a million emails and called 100 phone numbers, and then the very next day, this venue called us back and said, come and, and take a tour and walk through and it ended up being the perfect fit because God had a, had a plan. But you have to talk yourself in to what is real. When I feel like I can't do what he's called me to do, that's when I remind myself of what God says about me, regardless of what maybe your parents said about you or the world says about you or you say about yourself. There is also what the creator of everything happens to think and say about you. And you are who he says you are, not who they say you are. And you need to remind yourself as your own most important preacher today. I live by what I know is real, not by what I happen to feel. The belt of truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is a reminder that every Christian, regardless of how long you've been doing this, every Christian needs almost daily that your righteousness does not come from you. Your righteousness is a free gift from Jesus. So I'll explain it this way. Like, maybe you've had a week or one of those days where you're just crushing it as a Christian. And so maybe you give sacrificially in an end of your offering or you sign up to serve. And maybe you woke up every morning this week at 4 a.m. and prayed for everybody in your phone book, right? before you memorized yet another chapter in Galatians and then got in your car and listened to Hillsong United on your way to Starbucks where you prayed for your barista on your way to do homeless ministry. And you're like, I'm just crushing it as a Christian. And it's that day where you walk with a little extra swagger in your step because you're like, God's got to be pumped about me today, right? And then you contrast that with the other days, which if you're anything like me, unless you're just the exception, are a lot more frequent where you're like, I'm not crushing it as a Christian at all. And I feel like I should be farther along than I am right now. And I feel like I just messed up in the same way for the hundredth time, and I know better. And it's on those days and those weeks where you kind of steer clear of God because you're like, surely he's not too fired up about me. So maybe I'll punish myself and steer clear until I give it like a week, and then I'll, I'll walk back to him having put myself in time out and made it up, I don't know, on my own. And those two, those two days seem like polar opposites. The breastplate of righteousness is a reminder that you and God are not cool because of all the amazing things you do as a Christian, nor are you and God cool because of all the timeouts you put yourself in. You and God are cool because of the cross, always. What's more than that, without the cross, you and God would not be cool. Regardless of how good you are at principles and rules. You are good because of the cross. You are white as snow. 
You are perfect. You, your record is undefeated. Why? Because you have the record of Jesus Christ. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that he who knew no sin actually became sin, became your sin as he hung on a cross. All of your imperfection, your defeated record was given to him while he imputed to you his perfection and his righteousness, which means despite the fact that you're very much a work in progress in the here and now, when God looks at you, he sees perfection, he sees white as snow, he sees mercies that are new every morning. So regardless of the week that you've had, regardless of what happened last night, God is saying, I look at you and I see Jesus, even though you're still a work in progress. And the breastplate of righteousness reminds you that you're good, which means the devil has nothing to point out about your life and condemn you for and make you feel shame for. Which means you actually can, with the breastplate of righteousness, walk with a little swagger in confidence, not in arrogance. Not in arrogance because you got saved because you, didn't, you couldn't save yourself, right? We, like an arrogant Christian is an oxymoron. But we do walk in a holy confidence, knowing I am who he says I am. And the enemy has nothing to point at in my life and, and blame me for. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's real. And I think the biggest challenge as a Christian is just trying to figure out how to believe news that good. Because it really is that good. Today, like you have permission to live and feel and act and think the way he sees you. Like for heaven's sake, enjoy your life. Because you're perfect in his eyes right now. The breastplate of righteousness. Number three, the sandals of peace. Here's the mini sermon I constantly preach to myself. I say this to myself. I am not hurried or worried because neither is God. Now that's not always true about me. But I've heard biblical prophecy is telling your future what the word of God says about your future. It's telling who you are in the world's eyes, your flesh, about the man or woman God says you are. So I might not always act this way, but when you speak truth over your life, you activate that truth in your life. So I say, I am not hurried or worried, and neither is God. I'm not hurried or worried, and neither is... If God's not hurried today holding the universe in his hands, knowing everything, then even, even though I feel like I have a busy schedule right now, I don't need to be hurried in my soul. If God's not worried about my week, then I don't have to be worried about my week. God's not worried about my financial future in 2020. God's not worried about our small parking lot out there, so I don't have to be worried about it Either. I'm telling you, it is God's desire for you to live in peace as you walk in your calling, regardless of the season that you might find yourself in. That's that, like the promise was never to keep you out of the valley or the waves. The promise is of this illogical peace that transcends understanding 
that you feel and experience even in the valley and even in the waves, that peace is always available to you because you have peace with God, which happens the moment you receive Jesus into your life. You can know I have peace with God. I know where I'm going after I die. I have peace with the creator of everything. But then there's another step, and it's having the peace of God. Peace with God is salvation, then the peace of God. And I've learned this about this kind of peace that transcends understanding. It is a, it is a decision before it's a feeling which seems counterintuitive because we think of peace like, like joy or happiness. Like, no, it's a, it's a feeling. But I'm telling you, it's a decision before it's a feeling, much like love is. And if you've been married for longer than a few years, you know, like, hey, what started as a feeling that came easily every day, like now, like there's seasons, sometimes short, sometimes long, where love is a decision, you decide, I am loving this person, and as you decide it, the feelings will catch up to you. I'm telling you, peace is the same way. It's a muscle that you work out, and the more you decide on the peace that transcends understanding, the more the feeling will start to catch up to you. I might be anxious. I might feel anxious. It doesn't, need I need, it doesn't mean I need to be anxious. I will be a calming and steady presence everywhere that I go. The people in my life, the rooms I walk into, sure could use a non-anxious presence. I'm going to be that because I'm deciding to be. My schedule, God, is now in your hands, so I will not be hurried or worried. And everywhere I go, I will leave tracks of peace and stability via the sandals of peace. We've got to keep going. Number four. The helmet of salvation. I've heard it said, you can't have a positive life with a negative mind. Everything that you experience out here, you experience through the six inches between your ears. It is your lens. It is how you experience everything about your life. Therefore, you cannot have a positive life with a negative mind mind. The helmet of salvation is your key to taking ground in your thought life. Because how, like, how many know, how, like, who's like me? And like, you feel like your, bra your brain and your mind is like full of beehives of thoughts constantly. And a lot of those thoughts aren't good ones or holy ones or pleasing to God or even true, right? We have rogue and disobedient thoughts in our minds and lies that the enemy whispers to us or that maybe somebody's told you that are not true, but we fall for them all the time. And I, I, I'm a science nerd, and I read a lot about the mind and the brain, and I love reading things where science just kind of seems to be catching up to the Word of God because there's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where it says, you take, you take captive your thoughts. You make Rogue and bad and disobedient thoughts submit to the word of God because your thoughts will push you around. They will tell you where to go and what to do until you tell them where to go and what to do. And there's something in your brain right behind your forehead called the frontal lobe of your brain. And it's this part of your brain that sort of stands outside of the rest of your mind and can kind of observe what's happening in, in the rest of your mind. This is why and how you can think about what you're thinking about. 
Think about that. You ever thought about the fact that you can think about what you're thinking about? A lot of us don't do that. A lot of us don't think about 98% of the stuff that we think about. We just live as victims and fall prey to those thoughts without acknowledging the fact that I have power over them. And I, I should have brought, I have a thought log for all of 2019 because I've actually been thinking about what I've been thinking about and writing it down and, and seeing it on paper. Like, oh my gosh, I believe that false truth about myself. Where did that come from? Think, like, oh, okay, I believe that person 10 years ago, they said that, and I've been living my life this way. And, and, and you rewrite that with capital T truth from the word of God and what he says about you because God designed your brain to be neuroplastic, which means your brain is constantly changing and learning and adapting, right? I've heard it said that neural pathways in your mind, in your brain, are kind of like trails in a forest that get blazed. And the more you walk along that trail, the more neurons fire along that pathway, the more and more blazed it gets, and the more and more use your brain gets to thinking that way. Which is why I'm like, why do I always respond this way when, when that happens? Because I've trained myself to do that. Why do I always think that when that person says that? because of neuroplasticity and the fact that I've wired my brain to do this. But the beautiful thing about that, like you, like you have a divine engineer who made your brain that way, because if it's neuroplastic in this direction, that means it's also neuroplastic in this direction. And Romans chapter 12 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. How many know the world has patterns and those patterns are not working for a lot of people? And Paul says, don't be conformed to that, but rather be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, via the helmet of salvation, via speaking truth over your life, because when you speak truth over, you, over your life, you activate that truth in your life. And you begin to create new trails and new neural pathways until the trails of, of joy and peace become stronger trails than the trails of addiction. Like, maybe you're a realist, a.k.a. you're pessimistic, and you need to wire a new trail of optimism. And that is active, not passive. Sometimes I pray, like, God, help, help me. God, I need peace here. I need joy here. Like, get rid of anxiety here. And he's such a good father that he, he does a lot. He answers those prayers a lot. But there are times where I feel like, he sits me down for a loving father-son talk and says, Hey, buddy, stop asking me for things I've already given you. Stop asking me for tools that you already have. I've already made the victory. You just need to claim it and put it to work. You have ownership in this equation as well. Your life will head in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So... Are you excited about the direction your strongest thoughts are taking you or not? Your life will head in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Are you excited about the direction your strongest thoughts are taking you? Because there comes a point, I think, in all of our lives as a Christian where we just, we have to choose, was Jesus being serious or not? When he said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And you begin to want what is already rightfully yours through the blood of Jesus. The helmet of salvation. Number five. 
the shield of faith. Paul says, take up the shield of faith, which protects you, not so you can play defense, but so you can play offense. Think Captain America. That's all I have to say, then we can pray and call this good. <laughs> Remember, it's hell that's playing defense. Jesus said, not even the gates of hell will stand against the offense of the church. Where there is light, darkness cannot be. So via the shield of faith, we step out of the darkness and into the light so we can step back into the darkness with the light. This is, this is faith, the shield of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, and I believe the reverse is also true. With faith, I, I sometimes wonder if it's possible to displease God when you just believe, and you walk out your front door with, a, with an expectant posture that believes with all your heart there's nothing that God can't do in my life and through my life today. I mean, you know, even your experience at church is so much dictated on the posture that you walk through that door with. If you're expecting, I'm going to rendezvous with the creator of the universe today and anything is possible, then that is what will happen when you walk into church. Do you see how like all, all these things are active and not passive in our side of the equation? This is how the kingdom of God works. Heaven will, will touch earth through the delivery system of my faith. I think God looks at people with expectant postures and goes, not only can I work with that, I, I want to. I love to do things in the lives of the expectant. So I don't know about you, but I want to be ready for when and if God does move. Because, like, if you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow down to the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. So, that, like, so they were thrown into the fiery furnace. But before they got thrown in, they made the bold, the bold statement, God will save us, but even if he doesn't. In other words, I'm picking up my shield of faith, my expectant posture. He will save us, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to be ready going in. Because I don't push his buttons like a vending machine and control God and get him to do whatever I want him to do. But I can be ready for when and if he does decide to move. Picking up the shield of faith is picking up an expectant posture and reminding yourself God is going to go with you everywhere you go. He's already promised victories in, her, in your life. He's already given you promises to receive through the blood of Jesus. He's already given you a way out of the temptations that you're going to face today. And if you believe, you just might see the glories of God. That's what Jesus said to his disciples after he raised his buddy Lazarus from the grave. He said, hey, like salvation is completely free. Heaven forever, completely free. But if you want to see God flex his muscles in your life, if you want to see him show off, if you want to see the glories of God, then a shield of faith and an expectant posture is your ticket. And then last but not least, and Ben, you can come back up, the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God which is your Bible. Hebrews 4 says the Bible is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And so you think about it, like anytime you're in any kind of battle, the first thing you reach for is not like your sandal to smack somebody in the face with. The first thing you reach for in any battle movie you've ever seen is a, is a sword. So in the battles that you face... And, like, the more and more people I talk to recently, the more and more people are just, they're going through it right now. 
Which is why God put this on my heart to preach. This is a message very near and dear to my heart. And I've been feeling the same kind of resistance. And when you face opposition and when, there's, when you walk through trials, when you're faced with a battle, if the first thing you reach for is the sword of the spirit or the word of God, you're going to be in good shape. You're going to be in good shape. And so my challenge to you is to utilize the benefits of the word of God in your life because it has power to change situations in your life and transform you from the inside out. And so how do you do that? Well, if speaking truth activates truth, then speaking the word of God over your life. There is power in that. And so just thinking of, of verses that are in your Bible, Joshua 1.9, have it not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Or Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And speaking them over and over until they make the trip from your head to your heart and are no longer memory verses, but are now a part of who you are. Because if they're a part of who you are, then when you face battles and when you face temptation and when you face trials, because you you will, as a Christian in 2019 in the United States, like the only way you're going to be free from battles and trials is if you move to North Dakota and build a treehouse and, and leave everything and shut yourself in and never come out. Then you're, you're nice and safe and sound and protected. But you're not going to do that because while Jesus said you're not to be of the world, he is calling you to be in the world. And since you're in the world, you will be facing battles and trials and temptations. But now when you do, because the word of God is a part of you and you have the sword of the spirit your first gut instinct reaction will not be passivity or fear or apathy or justification the human heart can justify anything i promise you your your gut instinct will now be action will now be courage will now be trust why because because it's in you the first thing that pops into your mind is something straight out of the heart of god when you need it most, then you will be battle ready. I will be ready to do what is right when what's right and what's easy are not the same thing. I will be ready today. I'll walk out of my front door ready to forgive and ready to give the benefit of the doubt to people and ready to extend grace and and when that guy cuts me off in traffic or, or flips me off, I have the perspective now to see it has a lot less to do with me and a lot more to do with the fact that he's frustrated about his own life. And because I'm ready, I have the perspective to see that, so now I get less angry. I, I'll be ready to, to, to listen to people and to seek to understand them before I demand that they understand me. I will be ready to make the most of every single moment, to, to share my faith, to love somebody, just to encourage somebody or invite somebody to church or to lend a helping hand because battles and opportunities are coming my way. And if I'm already ready, then I don't have to get ready as the opportunity passes me by. And so I know this, uh, this sounds like an like a epic, crazy movie. Armor of God, sword of the spirit, right? Battle ready. But this is so real. The battles that we fight are, are not against things that we can see, but the invisible forces of a realm that is all too real around us. And I wrote this prayer a few years ago about the armor of God that I'm going to read over you in just a second. Um, and, and for about a year, 
I woke up and every morning, this is how I started my day. And I actually noticed when I put it into practice, like eventually I just started waking up with the armor already on and the truth already like in me. I didn't even have to talk myself into it. And it works when you put it into practice. And I've noticed when I take a break, anxiety meets me about 30 seconds into my day and tells me what to do all day long. And I just got reminded a few days ago that I'm sick of it. And I'm like, hey, 2019, the year of church planting is probably a good year to do this. And I forgot about it until a few days ago. And um, it became alive again in my heart. And this, uh, did you tell the Diane story? You didn't? So Diane, Diane, are you here? She's not. A lot of you know Diane. Um, I gave this sermon at Red Rocks Denver about three years ago. And she listened to it. She lives in Austin, and she listened to it and ended up calling me. And this was before, like, we even knew we were coming to Austin. I couldn't even point to Austin on a map at that point. And uh, she said, I'm trying to get a hold of the pastor who wrote this Armor of God prayer because I just made them into bookmarks and printed thousands of them. And, and by the way, I live in Austin. You guys should come to Austin and start a Red Rocks church. For real. And so now I have the privilege and honor of getting to preach this to you today very near and dear to my heart and give you a bookmark with this prayer that Diane had printed for you on your way out. And so would you guys stand? I want to finish this way. I'm going to ask you um, to close your eyes and just kind of hold your hands out in a receiving posture in front of you. And I'm going to read this like I'm reading it over my life, but you hear it and pray it like you're speaking it and, and praying it over your own life because once again, the truth that gets spoken over you is the truth that gets activated within you. So here we go. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your promises and victories that you've already spoken over my life. Today, I receive those promises and I claim victory over, and right here you can fill in the, in the blank in your, in your heart. I claim victory over fear, sickness, depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety. First, I put on the belt of truth. I choose to live today by what is true, not by what I feel. My emotions are fickle, but truth never changes. And the truth about me is that I am chosen, loved, and forgiven, even if I don't feel it right now. The truth is that I have a purpose and a calling. The truth is that there is somebody for me to love and encourage today. Next, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. My righteousness does not come from me. It comes from you. And I choose to live how you see me, which is holy and blameless. No matter what happened this past week, I am white as snow because your mercies are new every single morning. And so today, I walk with the holy swagger, dressed in the perfection that you purchased for me, not in arrogance, but in confidence that you are my father and I am your child. And if you don't condemn me, then nobody can, and that includes myself. Now I put on the sandals of the gospel of peace. You desire for me to live in peace as I walk in my calling. My schedule is now in your hands and I will not be hurried or worried or rushed today regardless of what happens. I choose to be a calming, stable, and steady presence everywhere that I go. Then I put on the helmet of salvation. I know my thought life is crazy and today I choose to take every disobedient thought captive in the name of Jesus. 
I know there's lies heading my way even as I pray this. And so to protect my mind, I put on this helmet, for those thoughts are nothing but a waste of my time. Your love surrounds me when my thoughts wage war, and so I choose to dwell on nothing but what is good, right, pleasing, and pure. I pick up the shield of faith, ready to take ground for the kingdom. Temptations, criticisms, and storms might be on the horizon, but with this shield, I claim victory out loud and ahead of time, knowing you are going before me. I know that faith pleases you. I know that heaven will touch earth in my life through the delivery system of my faith. And so today, I believe there's nothing you can't do in my life and through my life. And finally, I take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Bible. Your word is a double-edged sword that will teach me and guide me and discipline me and comfort me and prevail against the enemy in every and any situation. Your word says that he that is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Your word reminds me that when I commit my life to your glory, you will commit your resources to my story. So Father, I go now about my day, and I invite you along every step of the way. Thank you for choosing me as a representative of your love to a world that so desperately needs it. Let the people in my life see Jesus in me, as your power is made perfect in my weakness. Today, I will be battle ready. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.